This is Ron Gardenhire, and you're listening to the Road to Detroit podcast. You're on the Road to Detroit, the podcast. Here's your host, Dan Hasty. Here it is, episode eight. We've got a lot to cover. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Road to Detroit podcast. My name's Dan Hasty. Nate Wangler is our producer. We've got a lot to hit and not a lot of time to do it. First and foremost, coming up on today's show, we're going to take a look inside the Tigers' most notable international free agent signing. Tigers signed Cuban 16-year-old outfielder Roberto Campos, and there's really not a lot of information on him and available. Who in the world is this guy? Tom Moore, the Tigers' director of international operations, is scheduled to join us in just a little bit. We'll also hear from Cody Clements. We'll talk to the son of the former seven-time Cy Young winner as this episode of RTD continues. Also, a special Road to Detroit exclusive. Nick Quintana, the Tigers' second-round pick. He gives us access to what it was like for him on draft day. We'll find out which other team was most interested in Nick going into this particular draft and how it ended up being Detroit in the second round. So, an exclusive Road to Detroit feature. Behind the scenes, draft day, Nick Quintana. It all comes up on this edition of The Road to Detroit. Let's get on the on-ramp. All right, let's start out with the GCL Tigers West. They went 2-2 two and two in their last four games. Well, we also saw one very important promotions. Riley Green, the Tigers' first-round pick in the 2019 draft, has already been sent to Connecticut. He has been outstanding in the GCL. Hit over 350 with a 440-plus on base percentage. Couple of home runs. This kid was hitting the second he got into the Gulf Coast League. Now he's in short season Connecticut. He's been promoted. He's ahead of schedule. Three hits in his first two games, including a triple, to start things out for Riley Green. A couple of other standout performers, Matt Jarecki, a late-round pick last year by the Tigers, is hitting around 400 in the Gulf Coast League. Three for five with a pair of RBIs in his last game against the Yankees. Also homered in a game this week. Matt Jarecki has been tremendous to start 2019. Connecticut, they took two out of three, this time against Staten Island. Ryan Creedler, the Tigers' fourth rounder out of UCLA, very good defender. It was a bit of a slow start in Connecticut, but he's now starting to hit. He's up to about 300 at the plate. Bryant Packard is way over that. He had 361 for Connecticut, then got promoted to West Michigan. But a couple of big-time prospects getting the bump on their road to Detroit. Over to West Michigan, Whitecaps played a little better over the course of their last homestand when they won 7 of 11 games, ended up taking 2 out of 4 in a home-and-home home series against South Bend. Then they were swept in Bowling Green. Parker Meadows homered on back-to-back days, starting to find the balance between learning the strike zone and running into some more power. Again, 6 home runs for Parker Meadows this year. That's second on his team. Meanwhile, reliever Jared Toby, a former Wayne State Warrior, played his college ball at Wayne State just down the street. He's been filthy this year. Kind of has a funky left-handed delivery a la Chris Sale. And so far, the numbers kind of look similar, too. He's only given up two runs in his last 10 games while striking out 20. Meanwhile, the newbies of that 2019 draft class are kind of getting acclimated to West Michigan. Nick Quintana, a little bit of a slow start, hitting under 250. Meanwhile, so was Andre Lipsius, the Tigers' second and third round picks, respectively. Off to Lakeland, the Flying Tigers had back-to-back games rained out against Dededen and Bradenton. How exciting. Then they ended up winning their last two ball games. 
Garrett Hill, who started his year in West Michigan, ended up in Lakeland, a late round find out of San Diego State. He's been really good here in 2019. A 288 ERA with 57 strikeouts in his last 10 games. Let's go over to Erie. It's been an eventful past week for the Seawolves. The line stretches, deals to Gibson. He swings, sends it out towards center. Is it going to be deep enough? Braxton Lee under it. He will make the catch. Eves tagging. Throw to the plate. Not in time. Walk-off win. 3-2 pitch. Hill lines it into the gap in right center. And that ball's going to fall. And the Seawolves walk it off for the second straight night. He stretches. And the 1-2 pitch to Hill is a swing and a drive. Out to left field. Barnes looks up. Ball game. Touch them all time, Derek Hill. And for the second straight year, the Seawolves with a walk-off home run on July 3rd. Three straight walk-off wins for Erie, and they've got some more help on the way. That leads us to best in class. Of all the players in the Tiger system, this one made the most noise. Our Nate Wangler is here to give us this week's winner. It's a name that we've heard several times before, and we'll continue to hear Tarek Skubal. 11 strikeouts in his first appearance with the Erie Seawolves. This guy has dominated on every single level that he's played on. By the way, those 11 strikeouts came in just five innings on the mound. Just one unearned run on one hit. Former ninth-round pick out of Seattle. He has been one of the most impressive pitchers in the Tigers system in 2019. He came up from Lakeland. Now he's in Erie. This young man outstanding so far. Meanwhile, the Seawolves sent two players to the MLB Futures game. Matt Manning, who went an inning on the mound. Also, did anybody see Matt Manning's cleats? He actually decided to pay homage to his favorite TV show, The Office. He ended up putting all the characters on his shoes. I think we saw Jim and Pam and Michael and Dwight. If you love The Office, you have to go check out a picture. It's on the Tigers Twitter account, at Tigers, to find exactly what those look like and see Matt Manning's office cleats. Isaac Paredes also played in that game. He hit a double. Over to Toledo, the Mud Hens won two out of four against Indianapolis before the All-Star break. Toledo had been playing well down the stretch in this first half. Johnny Schreiber, the Rockwood, Michigan native, he has struck out 20 in his last 10 games. He has two saves. Meanwhile, Bo Burrows went three scoreless innings. He showed some good stuff. More importantly, he showed that he's healthy and you know, you look at what the Tigers have been doing, trying to piece together their starting rotation. You can't help but wonder if Bo Burrows might be one of the next names to get that opportunity. Meanwhile, Toledo sent a pair of their players to the All-Star game. Willie Castro, who was great. Two for five against Indianapolis with a couple of doubles. And Victor Reyes, who was brought up to Detroit, could not play in the AAA All-Star game. But he's been a little bit better than I think people expected so far for the Tigers this year. He was really good in Toledo. Nine homers, 55 runs batted in. That's a look at Toledo, and that's the on-ramp. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. You know, one of the things that Tigers fans have been wanting to see for a while is the Tigers to make a big splash in international free agency. Try to find high-end talent, whether it be from the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Cuba, and go big to get one particular player. In recent years, we've seen guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Wander Franco, some of the best prospects in all of baseball, found in international free agency. 
Well, the Tigers, this particular free agency, did something that goes against what we've seen from them in recent years. They used the majority of their pool to go after one player, a player they consider to be a very special talent. Whether that materializes or not, it remains to be seen. But 16-year-old Cuban outfielder Roberto Campos was signed by the Tigers for just south of a reported $3 million. The interesting thing is, is that not a lot of scouting services seem to have much info on Roberto. Pretty surprising because a lot of the guys who get big money in this realm, usually there's a lot of information out there and available on these particular players. But because he's a native of Cuba, that might have something to do with why we didn't hear too much about him leading up to the international free agency period. He was not ranked by fan graphs or MLB pipeline, any of the lists of the top free agents on the international market. Just 16 years old, already has the frame of a big leaguer, 6 feet 2, 200 pounds, one of a handful of signings by the Tigers. We'll talk to Tom Moore, the Director of International Operations for the Tigers, in just a little bit. We'll talk about all the guys the Tigers signed, but most notably the one everybody wants to know about, Roberto Campos. The road to Detroit continues. The 16-year-old outfielder from Cuba, Roberto Campos, is one of the Tigers' most fascinating prospects, and he's only been in the system for about a week now. One of the people instrumental in that signing was Tom Moore, the Detroit Tigers' director of international operations, to give us an idea of who this young man is and what he's all about. First of all, Tom, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, and thanks for having me. So take us through the timeline when it comes to Roberto Campos. Not a lot of people have info on this young man. So how far back does this go? Um, so Roberto Campos, um, I, I would say, you know, he's a player from Cuba, played uh, on the uh, 12 and under team um, over in Cuba, um, and you know, several years as a, as a youth player playing over there. And then um, he'd made a couple trips over the Dominican um, on a team to play in a tournament. Uh, the last one being a 14 and under team in which he was playing with his brother, his older brother. Uh, they won the, the tournament and they uh, decided to defect and stay in, in the Dominican after the tournament. Um, at that point, um, you know, we, we had some scouts at the tournament, um, you know, had heard of the defection, you know, once, um, you know, when these Cuban players defect, they, you know, essentially emerge at some point with someone that's training them and that sort of thing. And once that had happened, you know, we, uh, we had made contact with a, uh, his trainer, you know, and started uh, the scouting process as we do with, uh, with all the players that we're looking after. So tell us about what you liked about him. This is a young man you guys have been following for a while. Absolutely. This kid uh, was physical from, from day one, uh, was always a, you know, had a real good body, um, and we loved the swing. Uh, he had power projection at the time when we first started seeing him, 13, 14 years old. Um, then, um, as you know, he continued to train. He got stronger. Um, you know, the power started to play it to a little more, a little bit more of a presence tool. And uh, he's got an instinct to hit. He's been playing, like I said, baseball for, for many years. Uh, playing in games and, and youth leagues in Cuba and, and that sort of thing. So um, I, I would say certainly the bat and the power potential um, are what excited us the most about him. 
there wasn't really a lot of info on this kid. What I'm curious is, is from your perspective, I mean, you obviously can only put so much stock into what other different scouting services say. Does that play into any part of your evaluation when it comes to, you know, how many other teams are looking at a particular player? Certainly does. And, and I will say, normally with given players and they defect, um, they'll play it on a national team. Um, and, and have been somewhere in some international tournament, you know, at, at least one international tournament or several international tournaments. So, you know, there's a lot more, there, there's a lot more that, that we in the industry know about the, those players. In Roberto's case, um, he, he defected kind of before that, that process happened. So um, other than, you know, the teams that, that were there to see that tournament um, in, uh, in the Dominican and then also, um, you know, the, the teams that scouted him as, as uh, he was in the Dominican over the last three years, um, that's really the extent of, of history. Um, what our scouts were able to do is just continue to build history. Uh, we were able to compare him to the other top players in the, um, this year's signing class, and, you know, we were able to make a determination of where he kind of stood in terms of, you know, the top players that we're looking at. We're talking to Tom Moore, the Detroit Tigers Director of International Operations. There were people that said that they were wondering as to why the Tigers decided to, I don't want to say go all in, but do something that they haven't done before, and that's give a high amount of their international signing bonus pool to one particular player. Did you guys have a feeling that if you didn't, somebody else would? Absolutely. I mean, as far as Compost is concerned, um, the way that we saw his, his present power, um, his ability to hit, um, in, in comparison to, to other players in the, in the signing class, they match right up there. And so um, I, I do think that uh, Roberto has, you know, does have a rare um, combination of power and ability to hit that, um, that makes him, you know, unique. As you know, we see in the big leagues, that, that combination is, is um, you don't see all the time. So um, that's certainly what made us most interested in him. Um, you know, he certainly was, was one of the top guys we were looking at. What went into the lack of exposure for this kid? I, I do believe that, you know, not playing, um, you know, on a Cuban national team in, in some international tournament, that certainly, um, you know, kind of put him a little more under the radar as far as, you know, high-profile exposure. But uh, like I said, he was, he was out in the Dominican training for, for over three years, um, uh, along with his older brother that signed with the Marlins. Um, also, Malcolm Nunez, who the Cardinals signed and um, had a real successful year um, this past uh, in 2018 in the DSL and is now playing in the Midwest League. Um, so, he, you know, he was, a, um, I would say, a, under the radar as far as a Cuban player that, that had been on national teams and international tournaments in the past and stuff like that, but... He, he was definitely out there for a long enough time for, you know, for any team to, to take a look at him. And, and there were teams that had, that had seen him because, um, like I said, he was, he was there training with his older brother and, and, um, and Malcolm Nunez, among other Cuban players uh, that, that this trainer had. So philosophically, the Tigers haven't tended to use the majority of their international pool on one guy, but that's a little bit closer to what happened this year. What's made you spread things out in the past? Well, it's been um, it's been a situation where um, the just the nature of signing sixteen year old players and um, 
all the uh, all the hurdles that those players need to take in their development, but also off the field with with you know especially the players from Latin America um, needed to learn a different language, a different culture, um, all that sort of thing. The the actual success rate of players um, that were getting high bonuses uh, in comparison to let's say the you know the first round of the draft where you know you might say two thirds to three quarters of those players are going to play in the big league, and then you know maybe less than those, than then that amount will will become regular or you know above average big league players. That percentage um, historically has been a lot less in the international market. Now in the last couple of years, that that has um, improved just because um, you know a, lo- a lot of factors in the sense that that teams are certainly putting a lot more resources in, into the the development stage down in, in Latin America as far as culture assim- cultural assimilation and you know, providing strength and conditioning and, and all the things kind of off the field education-wise and that sort of thing that are, would um, better prepare the players for um, moving up to the States and and, um, and get, getting them ready for, uh, for the big league. So um, that was, you know, definitely a consideration of ours. And I, and I will also say, you know, we haven't had the, uh, the pool money resources that we've had in the last couple of years as well. So having um, under this new CBA system, um, we're dealing with, you know, resources we haven't, you know, we haven't been able to have in the, in the past under previous CBA. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Now that you guys have a little bit more money to play with in this particular realm, do you see this becoming a trend, maybe going a little bit higher for one particular player? Um, absolutely. I mean, we're going for high-impact talent, and, and that's, you know, obviously something that um, we've been doing as an organization to try um, to move forward in this rebuild. That's you know that's what makes rebuilds work is is getting high impact talent. So um, certainly that's something we're we're looking forward to doing uh, in the future, and um, that's something we did last year as well with uh, with Jose De La Cruz and Adam Reyes. Um, they were both you know high and level talent, um, and and I would say like this year is you know was a little different in the sense of the the market just because uh, last year there were eight or nine teams that were still under penalty from the previous um, signing um, restrictions. So, uh, in, in other words, there were eight or nine teams that couldn't sign a player over 300000 for during last signing period. So, now um, that all but one team is, you know, is, is out there without any restrictions for this year, that made the, you know, certainly the competition for the higher-end players a lot more intense. Last but not least, give me an idea on some of these other guys that you signed. I know there were a couple other names alongside Roberto Campos. Um, yeah, sure. I, I would say uh, Manuel Sequeira, uh, shortstop from from Venezuela. Um, we're we're really excited about um, what uh, what he's hopefully going to bring to us in, in the sense of uh, power from the shortstop position. He's got arm strength. He's very athletic. Um, so we're uh, you know obviously another. Another guy I would say this class, we you know, we've highlighted some some power bats. Um, same thing with Abelalo uh, Lopez. Um, he's a power bat outfielder, uh, corner guy. He's got arm strength as well. Um, so I, I I do think I think in those three guys we've got um, three players that that are going to give us some power potential and and certainly um, help build the depth of our farm system. 
All right, Tom, good stuff. Thanks for shedding some light on this. A lot of people very curious about what Roberto Campos is. Good to hear a little bit more about him, a signing that all the Tigers fans are talking about. Tom Moore, the Director of International Operations for the Tigers. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thanks very much, Stan. It's now time for a special behind-the-scenes look on the road to Detroit as we look back to June's MLB draft. There are many promises made in the hectic moments leading up to a draft pick. Some are kept and others aren't. For Nick Quintana, other teams were calling, but it's clear the Tigers' second rounder was meant for Detroit. You'll hear sounds from the 2019 MLB draft as well as the former Arizona Wildcat himself. Enjoy an RTD exclusive. This is Draft Day, Nick Quintana. Good evening. On behalf of Major League Baseball, we welcome you to the MLB Network for our 2019 draft. This is an important night for players, families, coaches, scouts, and our entire game. You know, I just had a good idea going into the night. I probably wasn't going to go in the first round, and if I did, it'd be a little on the later end, and you know, probably for like a you know a discounted deal or something. So I really wasn't you know worrying or stressing about that too much. Up next, the Detroit Tigers. A year ago, they had Casey Mize at number one. It's their turn at the podium. With the fifth selection of the 2019 MLB Draft, the Detroit Tigers select Riley Green, an outfielder from Haggerty High School in Oviedo, Florida. Me and my agent, we were talking, you know, back and forth with the Diamondbacks a lot. You know, they showed, you know, the most interest out of anybody, and they had a lot of picks on day one. They had, I think, about seven picks on day one. With the 16th selection of the 2019 MLB Draft. With the 26th selection. With the 33rd selection. With the 34th and final first round compensation pick, the Arizona Diamondbacks select. You know, I'm kind of just watching the draft, seeing a bunch of my friends go and texting them right away and basically just enjoying it because, you know, it was a little different out of high school. Out of high school, it was really stressful. But I knew what to expect. I knew, you know, how the draft works. So for, for me this time, it was just more about just enjoying the, the process of it and not, you know, getting so caught up in, oh my God, why am I not going, stuff like that. You know, we're kind of just waiting for the second round to start. And one of my teammates, Cameron Cannon, goes to the Red Sox. With the 43rd selection in the 2019 MLB draft, the Boston Red Sox select Cameron Cannon, a shortstop from the University of Arizona. Right before that pick, my agent called me and he was like, hey, this is the deal, you know, Tigers want to take you their next pick if, you know, you'll take slot. And he's basically saying, like, hey, like, other teams are calling and saying this and that, you know, but all these other teams are calling trying to get you on a deal. And I think this is just the best thing for you to take. And I was like, absolutely. I'm like, tell them, tell them 100%, tell them yes. And then it was kind of just winding down to the Tigers pick at 47. All right, back to the podium. The Tigers are up. You know the offer was there. You know that you told them yes. So it's just, are they going to take me? Good evening, Nate Robertson here. And with the 47th selection of the 2019 MLB draft. It was just one of those deals where like you kind of hear your name, your first name, and you're like, ah, please say my last name, please say my last name. The Detroit Tigers select Nick Quintana, a third baseman from the University of Arizona. It's exciting. Um, you know, this is what I've been looking forward to, you know, my whole life. You know, I've been playing since I was five, and you don't really think about it when you're five, but, you know, you look back at it, and, you know, this is why I played the Little League, went hitting on my own, and, you know, did all that stuff. So I'm just truly happy to be here. Here's something you may not know about Nick Quintana. 
Kenny, the father of his girlfriend Casey, grew up in Metro Detroit and happened to give Quintana a hoodie for Christmas, donning the phrase Detroit versus everybody. Kind of surreal, like I've had this Detroit sweatshirt for the last seven months and then now the Detroit Tigers drafted me. So it's just, it's funny how, how the way things work. And I've had a lot of people say, well, like I saw a lot of pictures of you and, you know, a polo with all the family and everything. And that was just all her dad. He's had Detroit Tigers gear for years and years. And after I was drafted, they came over right before we went out to eat. And they, he basically just brought a box of Tiger stuff for me to pick out to wear that night. And I just picked the polo and everything. But it's funny how things work itself out. And it was very special. And even for, you know, my girlfriend's dad, and it was very cool for him. And his brother and his family, they're, they're super supportive. And they were just kind of in awe that the Tigers took me out of all teams. So, yeah, it was, it was really cool. This has been Draft Day, Nick Quintana. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. Cody Clemens, just a year ago, was an absolute star for the Texas Longhorns. He was dominant in the College World Series. It vaulted his draft stock. He ended up as a third-round pick of the Tigers in last year's draft. Cody joins us here on the RTD. Cody, good to talk to you, man. Yeah, how's it going? Good to talk to you as well. You know, we're just barely a year removed from when you were drafted. You obviously, as we mentioned, had a very successful run in that College World Series. Do you find yourself or did you find yourself missing that even a little bit this year? Um, yeah, it was awesome to watch uh, on the TV while you know the season was going on. It was a lot of fun to see. Those eight teams getting after it in Omaha, it was such a fun time when I was there last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, I miss it. It was a lot of fun. and um, It was cool to see those guys compete and, you know, fill, fulfill their dreams in Omaha. It was a lot of fun. Former college baseball co-player of the year by the American Baseball Coaches Association. All right, so one of my favorite stories about you, and this is something that we talked about last year, was that when you were at Texas, you actually had Tommy John surgery and then later on played through it? There's not a lot of guys who do that. Can you explain how you did that? <laughs> yeah, so the main reason why I played my sophomore year was because my brother was still on the team as a senior, and so I didn't really want to just sit out and watch him play his senior year without me, and I knew it was probably the last time that we would ever you know, suit up and play with each other on the same team. So I was grinding through my rehab, um, and it took me about six months uh, like fully healthy with my with my swing, I couldn't throw or anything. I mean, I was doing my throwing progression and stuff like that, but I wasn't ready yet in that aspect of the game. So I just hit, and it was a lot of fun. I DH the whole year, um, and it was just fun to play and compete with my brother on the same team. So that's what the reason, the main reason why I kind of went on the fast track with my rehab and got back into the game so I could play with him. You know, there's so few guys that ever have to worry about hitting post-Tommy John surgery. And right now, you know, the L.A. Angels have Shohei Otani, who had Tommy John and is now playing as an outfielder. I'm sure you can relate to him. What's he going through in terms of how he's having to respond while at the plate with an injury like that? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that you have to look at and, make sure you're doing everything the right way because it's a it's a pretty serious injury um you know that ligament that you use is used in every part of the game and swinging 
the bat, it's, it was, I was lucky that I'm left-handed because it was my right arm. And so my left arm is not really – my left arm is kind of the one taking the stress when I hit the ball. But, um, you know, he's grinding through that, and I'm sure it's really hard. But, he, uh, you know, he's a professional, and I'm sure he's doing it the right way and making sure that he's – uh, doing the right things to stay healthy, but it's it's definitely a grind. You know, going through Tommy John, it's it's tough, and um, it definitely puts a toll on your mental part of the game. And you kind of just have to stay positive with everything. You, you know, it's a big blow, but at the end of the day, you're going to come back stronger. And it's you know, it's gotten pretty popular now in this game that it's not as scary. So that's the good part. I'm glad you mentioned adjusting to the mental side of the game. You know, having such a dominant run in college and then going to pro ball, you had a really good year in West Michigan. Now, when it comes to that mental side of things, how much have you learned about that? I know you've only been in pro ball for a year, but how many steps forward do you think you've taken in that regard? A lot. I mean, I think the biggest thing I had to adjust to was playing every day um, and how to how to use that with your body and how your body takes that. Um that's kind of the big thing that I've been having to deal with is, you know, last year right after the year was over and I got drafted and came into pro ball. It was tough playing every single day. Like I've never done that in my entire life. Played a baseball game every single day for, you know, three straight months or whatever. But um, I learned a lot there. And, you know, at the beginning of this year, it was uh, tough. You know, my body was getting sore, but then, you know, getting in the weight room and doing stretches and stuff like that with our trainers has really helped me. Uh, keep my body fresh and getting in the hot and cold tubs and stuff like that. That's kind of been the mental part for me. Uh, just, you know, waking up knowing that you're doing the exact same thing every single day and you got to get your body prepared for that. Talking to Cody Clemens, you got the assignment to West Michigan. How big of a surprise was it to you that you had gone straight to West Michigan rather than maybe a short season like a GCL or a Connecticut? Um, it was awesome. I mean, Right after, right after the draft happened and I found out that I was going to West Michigan, I was super excited because, you know, I was assuming that I was going to go to short season where most of the college guys go just to start the year. And, you know, you know, it starts late just for those college guys. But showing up to a team where they're already 70, 75 games into the season, it was kind of different and, you know, nothing I've really done before. But um, I was so happy to be there. The crowds there were so fun to play in front of. And, the atmosphere and everybody around that community was great, and it was it was a lot of fun. I loved it. Speaking of the Fourth of July, I saw that your dad, Roger Clemens, was in town with you. Your brother Casey also plays in the same league, the Florida State League. He plays for Dunedin, that's the Blue Jays' high A affiliate. While you're in Lakeland, how was that? First of all, and what's Dad up to these days? Um, it was so fun. Uh, you know, luckily Casey and I are in the same league right now, so we play against each other and. Um, every now and then my parents will come up, come down to see us play and it landed on the 4th of July, which was really cool. And my mom, my grandma, and my dad were in town to, and I was playing against Casey. So right after the game, we just waited off to watch the fireworks with the family and spent the 4th of July together. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, my dad's just doing a bunch of charity golf tournaments and playing golf. He loves to play golf. And, uh, I think he's going down to Lake Tahoe right now to play in that NBC charity golf tournament on TV, so that'll be cool. And um, he's just, you know, running around chasing us. My oldest brother has kids now, so he's running around with those. He's a grandpa, so he's loving that, and um, he's just, you know, living life. Talking to Cody Clemens, you know, it's funny you mentioned that American Celebrity Golf Championship. They've got former Tigers catcher Pudge Rodriguez listed at 150-1. to 1. 
Golden <laughs> Tate is 300 to 1, and Charles Woodson, who played for Michigan, is 3,000 to 1. What odds would you put on Roger Clemens in that particular golf tournament? Uh, I'd probably give him about 50 to 1. He always <laughs> says that he, uh, there's a bunch of guys out there, younger guys that play every single day, and, you know, they're shooting. They're scratch golfers, so he said it's pretty tough to win because there's no handicap or anything like that. So the guys that play every day, he he's got to compete against, and you know his golf game is probably like he shoot he he's like a six handicap, but he'll shoot like seventy eight, eighty, something like that uh, every round. He's really good actually, but um, now nah, there's some people out there, there's some guys out there that are really good that'll shoot under par in this tournament, but. He's there to enjoy it, but it's funny. We get on him, and I'm like, Dad, come on, like 50 to 1 or whatever he is in the, in the book. We get on him, and it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Is it fair to say that having your dad has kind of given you a thick skin? I mean, he had a great career, but he had to go through a fair share of adversity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything that, um, you know, went on through his career and everything that, you know, I've had to – grew up and dealing with with you know him being him uh it's been a grind i mean there's obviously so many positives of him being my dad and you know how much i've learned from him and how much he's taught me about the game and every single aspect even like the details and everything he still tells me them today and then you know every there's obviously the negatives when people yell at you and while you're playing the game and i've had to deal with that all my basically since i've been a teenager playing baseball but you know, I think that that's just it. Just gives us a little fire uh, beneath Casey and I, just to make us play better, and you know, try and build a name for ourselves, and you know, try and start our own career and stuff like that. But um, it's great. I mean, everything that he's taught me and about the game and everything like that uh, has really boosted my career and you know, led me to where I am right now. So that's that's great. He's still. You know, talks about it today and tells us all these little tips just to keep our mind fresh and stuff like that. So it's great. So talk to me about this season. Walk me through how this year has gone. Um, it's been good. I mean, the first month up here, uh, I struggled at the plate a little bit. Just the game was just kind of sped up. I had a really, really good spring training, and then I came into the season super confident and kind of got shut down a little bit, but I was grinding through it. Everyone has their ups and downs, and that's just a part of it. And um, the next month after that, I turned it up, and I did really. I had a really good month, and then right now I'm just getting through it. I've hit. I had a couple of games where I hit a few home runs, so that was good. Um, it's been great. I mean, I'm just been you know learning. Uh, you know, the Florida State League, the pitchers league, so you see you know the best of the best every day, and you know it's fun to compete against those guys. Um, you know, we're just getting through the season and getting better every day. You know, people don't know this about you, but your bat flip game is off the chart. And <laughs> I'm just curious. Now, we haven't seen you in a while in West Michigan. You're in Lakeland. You got nine home runs this year. I know you have a walk-off home run under your belt. Were there any flips so far this season? Um, not really. I mean, the fields here are pretty big. So, uh, every time I get it, every time I get it, I... Uh, I don't know if it's going to go out or not because the fields are so big and the ball, you know, the ball doesn't fly as well. But there's been a few where I've hit it and I was like, all right, that's that's got to go out. I don't I don't flip in professional baseball right as of right now because you'll get drilled. But in college, it was a lot of fun. <laughs>
I remember a day, speaking of college, you know, Brock Deathrich, one of your Lakeland teammates, had a long career at NC State. I remember a day where you and Brock actually took batting practice against your dad. How often has that happened since? And how often are you doing bat flips against him, just out of curiosity? <laughs> um, he came down here actually probably at the end of the first month of the season, and he, and he just threw, threw to me on the backfield uh, back over here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, whenever we take BP off of him, it's always fun to try and, you know, get one out of there and talk some smack. It's, it's fun and games, and, you know, he loves it, too. Any idea how hard he's still throwing? I think if you gave him, like, a month, he could probably get it up to, like, 86, 87, and he's, like, 58 years old. <laughs> That's unbelievable. All right, yeah. so we mentioned Brock Deathrich, somebody that you've gotten to know and basically part of that same draft class have kind of been just about at every step on the minor league ladder together. Talk about Brock and what he's been for you as a professional. Yeah, Brock uh, and I met as soon as we got drafted because he got up to West Michigan, right? At the same time, I kind of went up there and, um, you know, we our personalities just clicked and Ever since we've you know been rooming together and you know have a, an apartment together and stuff like that, so we became really good friends and uh, just playing with him on the field. You know he plays the game the right way and he's you know a grinder. He runs everything out. He's super fast, so that's a key part of his game. And uh, just you know he's super competitive. And when he gets in the box, you know he's up there to to beat that pitcher, and he knows he's better than that pitcher, and he goes about the game the right way. And, just having him in the dugout, you know, you know, say I'm struggling for a game or he's struggling for a game, you know, we kind of just talk to each other and like, hey, come on now, like, you're better than, than this, let's go, and then, you know, turn around and then we get a knock, and, you know, we kind of just build off of each other, and it's funny, we kind of compete against each other, too, just to, that's just our nature, and we're trying to, you know, up each other as the way we go, and it's, it's helping us out, and he, you know, he's always going to say, oh, I stole more backs than you. And I'm like, yeah, well, I, I hit more home runs than you this year. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll just up each other, and it's fun to have him around. Watching you two was like watching Dale and Brennan when they become best friends at the end of the movie Step Brothers. So, I'll tell you what. Good stuff, Cody. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to a strong finish here in 2019. Thanks so much for joining us. Sounds good. Thank you, Dan. The road ahead looks like this. West Michigan opens up a six-game homestand. They take on Quad Cities. That's a Houston Astros Class A affiliate. And Kane County, that's the Arizona Diamondbacks. Those two teams currently have the best records in the second half in all of the Midwest League. Whitecaps have a pretty important stretch. They need to win some games against some pretty good teams. Meanwhile, Lakeland finishes out the last couple of games of a series against Bradenton. Then they're off to Daytona for a three-game series. Erie takes on the Altoona Curve for a four-game series this week. That's another Pirates affiliate, so a lot of Tigers v. Pirates this week in the Tigers minor league system. As for Toledo, they play Louisville and Kentucky in a four-game series. That's the road ahead as we put the finishing touches on another edition of Road to Detroit. Before you go, lots to tackle next week. We'll be within two weeks of the Major League Baseball trade deadline. And we could have a deal at this point when we sit down next week. If anything goes down in the Tiger system, whether it be this week or the weeks to come, we'll be all over it. The Road to Detroit podcast will take a close look at exactly what the Tigers are introducing into their minor league system. Could be a very interesting remainder of the 2019 season. 
That wraps up Road to Detroit, episode eight. Our thanks to all our guests that joined us here. For Cody Clemens of the Lakeland Flying Tigers, one of the top prospects in the Tiger system, and Tom Moore, the Tigers Director of International Operations. Also, a shout-out to Nick Quintana for taking us behind the scenes for a Road to Detroit exclusive draft day with Nick Quintana. Don't forget, if you haven't done it yet, hit the subscribe button. Leave a review. We've been following this Tigers minor league system for a long, long time. So if there's anything you'd like to see us do, talk about, cover, let us know. We want to help you here on the Road to Detroit. But make sure you click subscribe. That'll do it. It's Episode 8. We'll talk to you next week.